It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the, to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross answer. Yes. Touchdown. We did it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in, joining us on a Thursday. And this is going to be a tricky show today. Uh, we've got Utah State basketball in progress on an early afternoon. They are in Hawaii, part of that Diamond Head Classic, taking on Seattle. Right now, Aggies have a, a seven-point lead. They're up 22-15. to 15. You can watch the game on ESPNU. A little bit later start time than what was originally advertised. We got the the word uh, later earlier today that it was going to be an actually a three thirty tip, not a three o'clock tip, and it was still a little bit late there because SMU and Iona went just a little bit long, but uh, SMU kind of surprising Iona, uh, beating them and really kind of surprising and disappointing uh, Aggies. Uh, that uh, that was really one of the last real best chances to get a solid non-conference quad one game on the resume for USU, and uh, Iona lost. So SMU is sitting there in the wings waiting to find out who wins this game going on right now between Seattle and Utah State. But uh, the Aggies, um, a little bit cold, but still able to hang in there and, and keep the lead. And right now, uh, they do lead 22-15, to 15, about seven minutes to go in the first half. Aggies currently kind of spreading it around, but uh, Bearstow uh, having himself uh, a pretty solid first half, leading the Aggies with seven points, uh, four off the bench from both Hamoda and Akin. Contributions from uh, Funk and, uh, and Shulga, two points uh, apiece there. And then Ashworth with one three-point shot made, so... Uh, right now, Utah State um, finding different ways to, to to score, but kind of a low-scoring affair for the Aggies so far in this first half. Jason, you were able to watch uh, portions of this game before sliding here into the uh, studio, but observations of Utah State, uh, and certainly the the first half of the first half that was played for USU. Oh, you say watching portions of it before coming in here. I am still watching the game. Well, okay. I have it in front of me. I have like three screens in front of me. <laughs> one of them's got the game. On one of them's got the stat broadcast going. So uh, I will be present, but not necessarily present <laughs> in this conversation here as I'm trying to – I'll be live tweeting, watching the game, um, just all this stuff. And so to, to actually answer your question, um, Utah State's offense, you mentioned this already, they've been a little cold. They've missed some shots just – I don't know. Taylor Funk is still in his own little um, uh, cold spell. <laughs> Thanks for not going for the cliche. <laughs> uh, 0 for 4 from 3. Um, aside from him, the Aggies are doing all right because uh, Bearstow's 1 for 2 from 3. Ashworth's hit a couple. Uh, so they're doing okay outside of him. Um, and they've 
warmed up a little bit on offense. Seattle, meanwhile, has not warmed up at all. They're 7 of 25 in this game from the field. They're one of their last 13. Actually missed 10 straight shots at one point. So Utah State's defense playing very well. Seattle, we talked about their uh, Utah State's three-point defense. Seattle's 1 of 12 from three. Oh, wow. Um, some of the emphasis on uh, stopping the uh, the three-point shot, I think, was leading to some layup opportunities for Seattle early on. Um, I think five of their early shots, at least five of their first nine, it may have been five of their first seven or eight, uh, shots in the game were um, layup attempts. They attempted five early layups. They were getting to the rim when they wanted to. Um, they only made four of those layups. They weren't perfect from there, but they were getting to the rim. But I think Utah State settled down a little defensively, and uh, they're doing pretty good to where, as I said, Seattle's shooting under 30% from the field so far. Well, and one of the other big things to keep an eye on is the, uh, the, the uh, what are we calling it? The cam jinx? or The curse of cam? Curse of cam. I, don't know, I, I, I used some phrase in my preview. Um, and Cam Tyson, uh, so the, as a, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, there have been like two players named Cam who have scored like 25-plus points. Um, Cam Gooden of Utah Tech, and then um, I think San Francisco had a guy named Cam who did really well. Some other team. There's actually a third Cam who had 13 points off the bench for, um, I think it was Utah Valley guy named Cam Alford, but he only, he played a bench role, but he still scored 13 points. Um, so, and there's actually a fourth guy named Cam who <laughs> played like two minutes and scored like three or four points. So people named Cam have done pretty well, although Cam Tyson for Seattle is currently two of seven from the field with five points. He is their leading scorer, but he's uh, not doing it very efficiently. So uh, we're about uh, four and a half minutes to go here in the first half. Utah State looks like they've stretched their lead. They're up now by 10. Uh, but uh, we'll continue to give some look-ins as to what's going on. Um, but uh, Ashworth, is, it looks like he's made another three. Uh, Shulga, uh, he's up to five points. So balanced scoring from Utah State. Uh, another game where uh, Jones, Ryland Jones is coming off the bench. He was not a starter. We, we wondered how that would play out today. Who would be that starting guard with uh, Ashworth as well? He's been playing. Uh, Jones missed some time. Wondered if uh, Jones would reclaim his starting role or if he'd come off the bench. But it looks like uh, Coach Odom has opted to keep Ashworth as the starter for now. And I just wonder how long that will continue. It may be permanent. Who knows? Yeah, I'll probably ask Odom about it after the game. Although it is an overblown thing. It's something we're obviously interested in, it, but it is a bit overblown in the sense that it really doesn't matter who's starting. Um, I've made the case that I've liked, I, you know, in the first five games or so when Jones was starting, uh, I liked the fact that uh, he was starting over Ashworth, even though Ashworth was on a tear. Um, but in the end, it isn't really that big of a deal because Ashworth is still going to play starters minutes. He's going to play 27 to 30 minutes, maybe more, uh, depending on uh, how hot he's, um, you know, how hot he is in that particular game. He played a little more lately because Jones was out. And he was basically the only point guard. And the thing is, is that they're both likely to close the game. Odom loves going to a lineup that includes both Ashworth and Jones. 
you know, when everyone's healthy, a lineup with those two playing at the same time is one of the more used lineups on the team. And it's been one of their best lineups. I think their best lineup of the year has Jones, Ashworth, Shulga, Funk, and Akin, if I remember correctly. At least based off one metric. I shouldn't say that's definitive, but based on one metric, I believe that's their best lineup. So they do well when they have either or both on the court. So who starts? It's a matter of curiosity. We'd like to know because starting lineups do have an intrinsic value that we attach to them. Um, and there's a bit of pride sometimes in being a starter. But in the end, I think you know, all of us realize that it doesn't matter too much since both of these guys are likely to close so long as they're playing well. Right. And, and yeah, it's uh, minutes and effectiveness. You know, those are, there are a variety of different things that matter there that will we'll play into it. Now, Jones is clearly not the, the, the scorer that Ashworth is. He never has been. But uh, Jones, probably a better defender, uh, takes more charges, probably a little better distributor. But um, So it depends on what your team needs on the court at the different time as to who you would go with, whether that be Jones or Ashworth. Yeah. And see, here's the reason why, you know, I'm curious as well why Ashworth would start. It's not like I'm criticizing you for bringing it up because my whole rationale behind wanting Jones to start was to have Ashworth come off the bench and lead the second unit. And I felt like there was a lot of value in that where your second unit has a big scoring punch and your you know top unit has a really good fit in terms of Ryland Jones fitting with the rest of that starting lineup. Uh, being able to distribute to a couple of guys like Shulga or Funk who may be better scorers. And of course, Bearstow's, you know, starting to become a better scorer now in the last few games. So there's you know, th- there's a lot that I like about Jones starting, and if Odom decides to go with Ashworth in the starting lineup, maybe he just sees more value in Ashworth starting than in Ashworth coming off the bench and leading the second unit. So we'll, uh, we'll have to ask Odom about that, You know, get his thoughts on uh, whether or not Ashworth should just start and they just roll with that, or if there will eventually be a return to how they were in the beginning of the year where they kind of had a lineup and they had a strategy to it where, Ash- where Ashworth was you know, the leading scorer, but he was doing it as a bench spark. Uh, so, yeah, interesting to see how that, that works out uh, for USU going forward. If it changes at all during this uh, tournament, or they just stick with their same um, you know, uh, platform or, or, or rotations, I should say, uh, going throughout this, uh, this tournament as they're in Hawaii. Game today, game tomorrow, depending on tonight's outcome, um, which will uh, then they have a day off and then they'll play on Christmas Day. Variety of different opportunities, you know, variances as to when they actually play on Christmas Day. But um, for right now, the uh, SMU with the big upset earlier, and um, they're waiting, sitting there to wait to see what happens. And this one right here, it's uh, about three, a little more than three minutes to go in this first half. Uh, and Atkin went to the free throw line, made a couple of free throws, and then uh, Z Hamoda follows that up with a foul of his own. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the Utah State was up 28-18. At least you mentioned they were up by 10. They went and adjusted, I think, uh, one of the Utah State shots from a three-pointer to a two-pointer. Because they went from up 28-18 to 27-18. So, of course, now it's 31-18. So, 
Bearstow just dunked it. So I'm going to watch this really quick here. <laughs> there you I'll, go. Tell you, I'll tell you how it looks. Because my, my stat tracker thing is ahead of the of the uh, video stream I'm watching. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Seattle yeah, took a timeout. So largest lead of the game for the Aggies at 13. 16-3 run, including a 9-0 run. Uh, really good game going for uh, for Bearstow today. I mean, he's almost into double figures. He's got nine first-half points, a uh, couple of assists, a uh, couple of rebounds. Uh, Shulga's got three rebounds. He's got three assists. So uh, nice, uh, like we said, rounded effort so far uh, from Utah State and certainly a solid defensive effort as well, making it tough for Seattle uh, to get going. They're 8-2. and two, uh, in Looking at where they're at, this team – with the uh, latest uh, net rankings for today, this is, these are basically based on last night's outcomes. But Seattle coming in at number 118, uh, they're six and two overall. They're the second highest team in the in the WAC with their overall record. Um, so they're they're not a bad team. Um, most of their games that they have played are quad four games, but uh, this is one that. You know, Utah State you know, can't let get away from them like they did with Weber State, building a nice lead and then getting a little too comfortable and giving a chance to come back. That's really what happened in the previous game earlier, too, with SMU and Iona. Iona had a, a healthy lead coming into the half, and or excuse me, coming out of the half, and then they got a little complacent. SMU kept battling and uh, flipped the script on them, and it was too late for Iona to get back into it. So SMU with the upset and SMU, they're not, they're not very good. They're like two ninety one. Yeah, they're uh, three and seven on the year. Um. So yeah, they're they've not been nearly as well. They were ranked decently. They were in somewhere in the one hundreds. In uh, the uh, Ken Palm early in the year. Sorry, I'm really distracted because I'm watching this game, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, there's – SMU's been a bit of a disappointment where it looked like it was – I think SMU and Iona were fairly close in preseason ranking metrics. And so we were thinking, okay, whichever one of these teams wins, Utah State uh, – or you know, win, however this all shakes out, Utah State would probably get a decent second-round matchup. And then it was Iona is definitely the better of the second-round matchup because they went – way up into the top 50 of the NET. Now they're going to drop out of it with this loss. But then SMU went the opposite way. And there, what did you say, 291? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but SMU wins the game, so now it's weird. And then to play the better opponent, Utah State would have to lose. But obviously you don't want to lose. You want to win. And so it, it's not going to help their resume, but, you know, you win this one, you win the next one, hopefully against SMU. Hopefully you don't get upset by SMU, too. Obviously, no. you got to watch out. Yes. This is a team that clearly has momentum now with a pretty decent win under their belts. That's how Utah State ended up kind of falling to Weber State. Is Weber State got hot with a couple wins, and then they end up coming into the spectrum and knocking off the Aggies. So if Utah State wins, they really got to watch out for that. Um, but, I've, you know, if you win this one, win the next one, Theoretically, you'd play Washington State, but as we've already learned, don't pen in these names. Write them in pencil. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I think we were all writing in pen that Utah State would face Iona if, if you know Utah State won, and 
No, not the case. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, speaking of building your resume, how about how about San Francisco last night uh, hosting Arizona State, who had just uh, crept into the top twenty-five poll, and San Francisco just absolutely destroyed the Sun Devils. At one point, when and I forgot about this game, just happened to switch over to it about five and a half minutes to go, and San Francisco was up forty plus points in the second half. I mean, unreal. You don't normally see scores like that unless they're like against lower division type schools. But San Francisco with a huge win, um, and so they go from one nineteen yesterday to ninety two today. Um, so. We're all San Francisco fans. We're all Utah Valley fans. Uh, and really, we all need to be Weber State fans at this point, too. Uh, just the way that it works. You know, you need those teams who Utah State faced and defeated, and even whomever they may lose to, need them to ultimately turn things around and, and play better and keep picking up wins. Yeah, that's ultimately what it becomes when you're resume watching is you become fans of a lot of teams, basically every team on your schedule. You want every team on your schedule to go undefeated except for when you play them because then that makes your resume all the better. So some of Utah State's opponents are um, doing them favors, San Francisco, uh, Utah Tech doing really well lately. Um, So the resume is looking better than it was maybe a couple weeks ago as some of their opponents have got some of their marquee wins and climbed in the uh, NET. Um, but obviously Utah State's got to take care of business because if you lose, then you're desperate for your the opponents you lost to to win. Right. Instead yeah. of being pleasantly surprised when a San Francisco team that you beat pretty good ends up being better than maybe they were advertised when you played them. So, yeah, I mean, you're ultimately your own win percentage is, is going to uh, count a lot. It's weighed uh, heavily. But it also is uh, important to know who it is that you played. And where did you play them? So those are important factors for Utah State. Uh, get back on track. And it looks like, you know, against Seattle, um, that's that's pretty much how it's holding holding firm. And we're near the end of the first half, and the Aggies have a 12-point lead. Uh, and not quite the offensive juggernaut that we've seen. A little bit cold uh, for Utah State earlier in this game. But finding other ways to score. And... Uh, and once again, balanced scoring where you've got Shulga, Ashworth, and Akin all with six points, Bearstow with nine, and then also contributions from Homoda with four, Jones, Ryland Jones, he's got three, and uh, Funk, uh, only two points from him, but uh, he'll, whatever it is that's plaguing him right now, uh, he'll get out of it. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. Uh, it's just how will they find ways to get him going. That will be interesting to see, especially in the second half. If they try to find ways to initiate uh, the, or not necessarily initiate offense, but run offense through him and try to find ways just to have him see the ball go through the hoop because he's struggled with that here in the first half. And it looks like it is now halftime. And uh, Utah State leads 36-24. to And uh, feel free to to chime in. Uh, If you've been watching this game or keeping an eye on it, Love to have you chime in on our Full Court Press text line and let us know about your first-half observations for Utah State at the Diamond Head Classic taking on Seattle, University of Seattle, out of the West uh, Western Athletic Conference, the old WAC. And so we'll talk about that. We'll get your comments, your reactions next here on the Full Court Press, 435-339-0321. 
This is Ryan, my mattress. A mattress store recently closed right next door to our Riverdale location. Most people have said how awesome that is for us. I think I disagree. At my mattress, we love competition. We love it if you shop other places, but also give us a shot. Shop online or go to other stores, maybe even a warehouse sale, but come into my mattress because we want our shot at winning your business. Come into my mattress right now and see if better sleep and better pricing are what you'll find. We're heading into some crazy weather this winter, which means power outages. Tyler and his team at Golden Spike Electric can install a Generac automatic standby generator for your home so you can avoid issues when the power goes out. If you have one already, Golden Spike Electric can maintain your Generac automatic standby generator for you. Find them online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. Golden Spike Electric and Generac automatic standby generators. Power you can count on. When it comes to home care, it's important to know you have a choice. If you or a loved one is in need of hospice or home health services, remember that Primrose Home Care and Hospice believes in treating the patient as well as the problem. We work directly with you and your doctor to create a health plan that's catered to your needs. Our team is devoted to providing options and the freedom and safety of your own home. Visit us at primrosecare.com or call to schedule a free consultation. Primrose Home Care and Hospice, your local hospice and home health provider since 2006. The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs. With competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. For 125 years, SC Needham Jewelers is where Utah gets engaged. People from St. George to Rexford drive to Logan to shop Utah's oldest jewelry store. One major reason is price. When diamonds are compared up and down the Wasatch Front, SC Needham Jewelers is as low or lower than any store in the state. We compete with any 50 to 70% off sales, internet prices, or so-called wholesale prices. Recently voted as number one jeweler in the best of Northern Utah. Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7, SC Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Valley Office Systems has now been serving Northern Utah and Cache Valley since 2007. We sincerely thank you for your support over the years and want to wish you a happy and healthy holiday season. Visit valleyofficesystems.com for all your copier, printer, and furniture needs. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Halftime in Hawaii. Utah State leads 36-24. And love to get your first-half reactions to the game. Uh, the Diamond Head Classic at the Stan Sheriff Center there in Honolulu. 435-339-0321 if you've been keeping an eye on it. Um, but, uh, Jason, this is a uh, looked like cold start for the Aggies. Struggling a little bit from outside. Sean Barristow attacking the rim, finding ways to get points. Uh, the defense traveled with them to the islands, and that's good. Uh, but then it looks like Utah State 
really close this thing out on a nice little run. Uh, about what, fourteen to six run to close it out? Uh yeah, they had a at one point they were on like a sixteen to three run. I think Seattle they went on a bit of a run where Utah State had a fifteen point lead where they see they built it from yeah, they they had a an eleven oh run overall and then Seattle scored four points. Um and then they went back and forth now with a twelve point lead. So Utah State overall, you know, I see toward the end of the half, let's see. So eleven oh run, they had a three, so fourteen to six run over the last six minutes or so. So not bad. Obviously eleven oh run was kind of the peak of that. So the Aggies do start out a bit cold in this one. Not great, but not terrible. They weren't they haven't been bad at any point in this game. There's some negative things you can pick on. For instance, Utah State's given up 10 offensive rebounds in this game so far, uh, which already is the second most they've given up in a single game. The most they gave up was 15 to, I think it was Santa Clara. No, San Diego. They gave up 15 to San Diego. Um, so it's actually remarkable. You give up 10 offensive rebounds and you're up by 12? That's, uh, <laughs> that's not typical. So, And it really goes to show just how great Utah State's been defensively. Uh, one other Mountain West team in action right now. Boise State is uh, at Santa Clara. It's an odd game and early uh, afternoon tip-off. But um, uh, the Broncos 10-2, and Santa Clara 11-3. and Aggies played Santa Clara earlier. And uh, right now it's Santa Clara with the lead 59-43. to uh, this was uh, a game which Boise State held a 36 to 34 halftime lead, and have since been outscored 25 to seven. Yeah, Boise State was looking like a really quality team, like really good team in the Mountain West, and probably the most underrated to this point of the season. The point where I was worried I was like, okay, this Boise State, you know, right now that we're focused on San Diego State, UNLV, Utah State, New Mexico, like that's kind of the top four. You know, just looking and kind of box score watching, I've not done any deep analysis on Boise State, but I was thinking, okay, Boise State might still be the second-best team, or if San Diego State falls off, Boise State could be the best team in the conference. They've been playing really well, great defense, one of the best defensive statistically in the entire country. But this one's just kind of getting away from them, I guess. Yeah, certainly in the second half, um, <laughs> Broncos having a hard time. Now, Santa Clara... Um, I just always keep checking the net because <laughs> that's like um, he's got to have it pulled up. Yes, it's like always available. Uh, Santa Clara, who Utah State faced earlier, they're at one fifteen uh, in the net. Yeah, Santa Clara has been hovering around the uh, depending on Ken Palmer or NET. They've been hovering anywhere between ninety and one twenty the whole year. Um, so this will probably push them up a little bit because Boise State, I think, is in the forties or fifties, maybe even thirties. They're on like yeah, I know eight. they moved up. They've been moving up pretty steadily. Yeah. Uh, they're right now at 39. Yeah, so that'll, that'll obviously bump Santa Clara up, assuming they uh, complete this, you know, up 16 points with eight minutes left. It's hard to blow that kind of lead, but you, you got to know better. It's happened. 435-339-0321. For anybody who wants to chime in on this first half of action for Utah State, um, in the meantime, before this game gets going again, there are a couple other things to discuss. You know, uh, last night, or excuse me, it was actually yesterday, uh, it was Blake Anderson talking about 
recruiting, the National Signing Day for USU, and also starting to look ahead to Memphis. And I know uh, tomorrow's show we're going to be spending a lot more time digging into Memphis because really that's our really our only preview show that we can that we'll be able to do uh, before the bowl. Uh, Monday, following Monday is going to be a holiday. Well, the recognized holiday, and we won't be here. And then Tuesday, it's it's bowl game. So, um, but one of the things that was kind of interesting that was that came out of the press conference yesterday was uh, not just about signing day for for Coach Anderson, uh, but looking ahead to Memphis. Uh, one one part was kind of interesting. Some of the comments made from Calvin Tyler, uh, who was there as well, and um, just. One of the things that is kind of fun to hear about this is you know, these players from Texas trying to get tickets for their family. There's a number of players, number of coaches from the state of Texas, and uh, Calvin Tyler. Apparently, he's been he's been working it to try to get more than his allotted share uh, for family and friends to to watch him there in Dallas on December 27th. My teammates probably get mad at me a little, but I got over like. 40 tickets. Honestly, I was grinding. I was hitting from, I was hitting all my teammates up, like going up to their face, making sure they sent the ticket. Like I got over 40 some tickets. So it's going to be a lot of family there. <laughs> so the, the fan base that uh, will be there will largely be, you know, family members of, uh, of players and friends of, of players that are from the, from the state who can easily travel to go there. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that I've heard a lot of Aggies from Cache Valley or Northern Utah, Southern Idaho, who are making are planning on making the trip. Uh, if you are, I'd love to hear from you on our text line. Like, are you planning on going, and how many in your party are going down? I'm I'm really curious as to what that, um, you know that that's that Aggie fan base will look like there at the bowl game on Tuesday. Yeah, it's a bit tricky because. You basically you have Christmas, and then you have basically one travel day. So unless you plan, you know, you have to leave like morning of the 26th, right after, you know, Christmas, you know. So morning after Christmas, maybe you stayed up late with family and friends, um, and then you got to get up and basically travel an entire day, get there, stay the night. You know, if you fly, obviously it can make it, you know, a little cheaper, but if you're deciding to drive down, yeah, that's not easy either. But, of course, with flights, you can't always control when you're flying out, so maybe you have to get up really early on the 26th. Like it's, it's just really tricky, whereas you have basically a, a small window to go fly or drive into Texas, and it's right after a holiday. So unless you're planning on making the bowl game your holiday, like the team is making the bowl game their holiday, the basketball team is making this Hawaii trip their holiday. So unless you're planning your entire holiday – around this bull game, which is basically impossible because we only found out a couple weeks ago, you know, sometimes you make holiday plans months in advance. I had my Thanksgiving plans set like back in April. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what we were planning on doing. Well, so, and, and it's not like we've known for months that USU was going to be bull eligible. We just didn't know exactly where the destination was going to be. Yeah. This is like you could – if you're going to make plans like this to travel for the holidays, you got to make that months in advance because usually you have to coordinate with a bunch of family and friends, all right? Because usually you're getting together. Can you audible that last second and say, all right, let's get together in Texas now? You can't really do that. Yeah, it can be tough. 
I mean, there's cer- certain groups of people who they don't have a lot of family that are going to be coming to them or they're planning on going to uh, some places. And maybe, you know, between Christmas and New Year's, that's a good little aside, you know, get away, uh, do something different between those two holidays. You know, for Memphis, it's, um, just pulled this up, it's about, it's a little more than a seven-hour drive from the campus of uh, University of Memphis Tigers to the arena where this bowl will be played. Uh, so it's just over seven-hour drive, um, a short one-hour, 20-minute flight. So uh, I would imagine that there would be a, a stronger contingent of Memphis fans there than there would be from from Utah State. But I, I'd love to know if there are Aggies who are planning on being there, just how many will actually be in attendance. Uh, I'd like to see uh, in, in what do you plan on doing while you're down there? Jason, you're going to be down there. Yeah, I'll be down there. I'm getting paid to be down there. <laughs> somebody else is paying for my flight and somebody else is all that. So I, I'm doing all right. But, you know, and I was planning on that being the case. Like, I knew at some point in December I'm probably going to a bowl game. Like, so I was making that plan. Not everybody is going to be as flexible as that because maybe they have to coordinate with their work. My work is literally this. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. So. But I think overall, despite all these things I bring up, I think Utah State will show out at least decently well to this bowl game. It's not going to be bad. They're not going to fill the stadium. But there's going to be enough Aggie fans there. It'll be a decent environment, I think. Probably outnumbered by Memphis fans, as you outlined the logistics there. But overall, I I think it's going to be a decently attended bowl game. Two decent teams with fan bases that'll travel some. So I'm I'm hoping I don't see a repeat of like the New Mexico Bowl from like a few years back, or I think it was the New Mexico Bowl where they announced a crowd of like twelve thousand people, and I think they were off by an entire order of magnitude. <laughs> uh, yeah. So who knows? Um, love to hear from you though. I mean, it's we we kind of bag on you know the uh, the Idaho Potato Bowl, but that's been the best attended bowl Utah State has participated in. Because fans can get in their car literally the day of the game if they wanted, drive up there and watch the game, and for those really crazy people, they can drive back home the <laughs> same night. Yeah, not really advised, but uh, it's possible. But it's easier to get to, easiest uh, of all the bowls for USU, and has been consistently the most well attended um, for USU in bowls. But uh, it, still, this is a cool opportunity to go to a different place, participate in a different bowl. Aggies were at the Frisco Bowl, which is in the Dallas metro area, but different stadiums. So they've never had a bowl game, never played in this particular stadium that they're going to. And um, you know, against an opponent, it'll be a solid, decent opponent. Uh, and one thing that's interesting is that you've got two teams that are 6-6, six and six, but Coach Anderson uh, yesterday talked about how I mean, the question was mostly posed about Memphis, but really it works for both, that uh, both teams really could be considered better than, than what their records seem to indicate, uh, mostly because of you know, Memphis was uh, uh, very competitive in almost every game that they played. USU uh, looks different now than they did earlier in the year, so the records can be a bit deceptive. Records can be deceiving. I, I think we're... Uh... A better team than our record indicates. You know, just a lot of a lot of things that that kind of uh, hindered us early in the year from being who we needed to be. We've played much better down the stretch. Uh, they they play a tough schedule. They play good people. Uh, you never know what kind of injuries and stuff they've had to overcome. 
But a good football team. It's it's a great challenge. They're always competitive week to week, even with the best teams in their league, uh, made tough games of it. So that's just who I've come to know them to be for quite a long time. I haven't been right there down the road from them. That's that's who they were the whole time I was at Arkansas State. That really hasn't changed. Yeah, Coach Anderson has some experience going up against uh, this Memphis team. He's watched them a couple different times this season, uh, just in casual viewing. Uh, so familiar with who they are and – gives uh, I don't know how much that gives Utah State a, a leg up in preparing for this matchup uh, or not but um, really this is this is about Utah State did uh, that momentum that they had riding into the end of the season has it dissipated and disappeared after that Boise State loss and the time off or can they rekindle what was going on with this team during that uh, four game five game stretch? where they were really kind of in a playoff mode. Win the next game in advance. Play well, get one more opportunity. Keep trying to get bowl eligible. So I think that's going to be the real challenge for this team. And you throw in Christmas in the middle of that as a distraction, and they'll be on the road for Christmas. So uh, maybe not as much of a distraction as we you or I may originally have thought. But uh, that's the situation for Utah State football. Uh, second half action for uh, Utah State and Seattle getting underway. We'll take a quick timeout, give you some updates on how that's playing out and what uh, adjustments the Aggies need to make to stay in it uh, and to come away with a victory at the Diamond Head Classic in Hawaii today. Oh, McDarrell has a farm and appliance farm. With down home country prices and big city selection. E-I-E-I-O. When you're looking for a friendly spot to drive a little and save a lot, hey, oh, Nick Darrow has a farm, an appliance farm. Darrow's a place, no overhead, but lots of country charm. See Darrow's Appliance in beautiful downtown Benson. Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in Best in Northern Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available. And now's the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns Cash Valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, 752-7272. Or stop by their showroom west of DI. And online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're not comfortable until you are. Advanced Heating and Air. Ladies, many of you will be fortunate enough to find a small but beautifully wrapped package under your tree with a brown satin ribbon and a box imprinted Jerex. The man who put it there is trying desperately to tell you that you are more precious than diamonds, more valuable than gold, and very, very special. Men who come to Jerex believe their wives deserve the best. And whether they spend $49 or $4,900, the message is the same. Men who come to Jerex are still very much in love. We just thought you should know. Jarek's Fine Jewelry, 930 North Main in Logan. This is Zach with HSA Depot. Christmas is nearly here. Make sure you be merry and bright by using your pre-tax funds on your medical needs. We know your regular holiday budget is disappearing quick. So instead, save money by using your pre-tax income to buy qualifying medical supplies. HSA Depot carries hundreds of unique and dashing eligible products to help you conquer your health care. Come to HSA Depot next to Sally Beauty Supply and see how much you can save this holiday season. HSA Depot, five-star review. Copiers, printers, service, and supplies are just the beginning. Les Olson IT is the premier source for your business's structured cabling, IT, software, telephones, and security systems. 
We partner with you to find the ideal solution to all of your office technology needs. Tell us your goals and we'll get you there. Find out more at lessolson.com. Les Olson IT. The Doug Gottlieb Show. Is there a doctor here? Listen. Here's the part about the Rams that like no one's talking about. Right, the Rams lose Cooper Cup probably for the season. And, and it's like, oh, the Rams, F them draft picks, whatever. Like, that's great. Everybody else fills out the rest of the roster with draft picks. They don't have the draft picks. And the draft picks you do have, you got to hit. The Doug Gottlieb Show. Weekday afternoons from 1 to 4 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Second half getting underway. Utah State uh, taking on Seattle in the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic in Honolulu, Hawaii. Game is on ESPNU. You want to watch it. If you're trying to avoid finding out how the game is going until you get home or something like that, then uh, you probably have to turn off your radio. Sorry. <laughs> or change the <laughs> not channel. Helping. I'm not helping you out. No, we will continue to provide updates as the game is going. Uh, for Aggie fans who are not in a position to watch but are still interested in how it's uh, playing out. But uh, second half underway, and Utah State stretching their lead a little bit here, up 43-29 to uh, in the second half. Um, also an, an interesting note, Santa Clara keep is still running away from Boise State. Three minutes left in that one, but Santa Clara, 67-51 to lead over the Broncos. A couple other games of, uh, well, one other game tonight in the Mountain West. That'll be UNLV hosting Southern Miss later on tonight. Southern Miss is 11 and one on the season. UNLV is uh, 10 and one, and so you look at those records and think oh, this should be a pretty close game. But the Rebels favored by eight and a half. A little surprising. Southern Miss probably with one of those uh, deceptive 11 and one records. Probably in the way people thought Utah State's 9-0 record was deceptive. Obviously, we may disagree with some people in that where they didn't think Utah State was deserving of uh, top 25 ranking despite that. But still. Southern Miss is 22 in the net. And UNLV is 57. And UNLV is an 8.5-point favorite. How is UNLV 57? <laughs> Did that loss drop them that far? Yeah, they're 57 in the net. That's nuts. But uh, Southern Miss, yeah, surprising 22 out of the Sun Belt. Yeah. Utah State, they're, I don't know, they, they, they started off the half where Seattle cut down Utah State's lead to to 9 in Utah State. They jumped out to a 5-0. They had a 5-0 run, so they're back up 14 now. And as I was saying in the break, I was saying Taylor Funk forgot how to shoot because he was one for six up to that point. And that one was a fast break dunk where he was wide open. But he finally made a three. So now instead of 0 for 4, he's uh, one of five from three. Although Utah State can't stop giving up offensive rebounds. Yeah, boy, that's uh, 
that's a problem. You keep giving second chance, third chance opportunities to your opponent. I mean, that's yeah, when, that's tough. When your opponent's shooting 25%, they're still shooting 25.6%. They've not really gone up since that halftime where they were a clean 25%. Um, and then they also have eight turnovers. Um, you know, it's not too much of a problem that you're giving up offensive rebounds, but maybe don't keep giving them, you know, bites of the apple or what, whatever the phrase is. You know, don't let them keep trying because eventually... Don't leave the door open. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. You don't want to uh, give them an opportunity to come back. All Utah State's trying. They're up 16 now. Uh, one of the note in this game, I mean... Seven, or... Uh, as you'd mentioned, More eight, <laughs> eight turnovers, but uh, you know six steals um, on the night so far for USU. Six blocks for the Aggies. Dorius with a couple, and then Funk, Shulga, Barristow, and Akin all have a block. Yeah, they're they're, they're doing really well defensively. Like this is their defensive masterclass so far. You hold a team this low, the blocks have played a part in it, but just you know. You know, just being great on defense in general, forcing bad shots. You know, defensive rebounding has been a bit of an issue. And, you know, you give up 13 offensive rebounds, but percentage-wise, it's not horrible. Because there have been, oh, what's 11 of 43? How many missed shots is that? 32? 32 missed shots? What's the, what's the defensive rebounding percentage on 32 missed shots? I'm going to do math here. <laughs> Well, let me first check that the uh, my initial math was correct. Okay. Well, uh, they've got uh, – but Seattle has 13 offensive rebounds compared to USU's seven. Um, and they've got more rebounds overall, mostly because of the offensive uh, uh, you know, multiple opportunities there. they got 27 team rebounds to Utah State's 24. Yeah, so I need to look at – so right now Utah State's rebounding 60% of their opponent's misses. Um, which I'm pretty sure is not ideal. I can't remember what I think a good defensive rebounding percentage is somewhere in the. It's it's more than that. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. I'm gonna look up. Uh, let's see. I don't know. If they, they don't have defensive rebounding percentages, but still. When you force 32 missed shots and your opponent grabs 13 of them, that's not good. It's not horrible. Of course, Ryan Odom will probably think differently. He'll definitely bring that up. But obviously, when you just hold a team this well defensively, then uh, it doesn't matter how bad you play in other cases. If the other team doesn't score, they can't beat you. And now that Utah State's starting to heat up, uh, Utah State's shooting 47%. They're now up 19 Um. By the way, that uh, Boise State-Santa Clara game has gone final. Boise State led at the half, and then they lose 73-58. to um, And getting outscored 40-20 to over the final 20-some-odd minutes. And uh, they had a nine-game winning streak going, but uh, now they're off. Boise State will not play anybody again until they face Nevada next week and open up conference play. So not a. It's one of those that we were talking about earlier when New Mexico was playing Iona over the weekend. You have a team 
or excuse me, uh, no, it was uh, uh, UNLV in San Francisco who it was. You've got a game where you've got uh, a team you've already played versus a conference opponent. So do you want the conference to win or do you want the team that you've already beaten to win? Uh, So we just had that uh, play out with Santa Clara and Boise. Now, that was on the road, so it wasn't like it was a home loss for Boise, which would have been worse. But, um, you know, that's that will help USU's non-conference resume uh, a little bit. And that's really what needs needs help. That needs more help than anything. Because the conference resume, it's, it's going to be solid enough as it is. With uh, Even though there's a few teams here stumbling a little bit, but there are others that are solid. Um, but uh, UNLV, uh, New Mexico, San Diego State, Boise State should still be a solid team. Nevada's been making some moves up the ranks. So you're, it's going to be a solid conference schedule for USU. It's just a matter of what is your non-conference resume? How does it improve? What does it look like? Uh, another quick timeout here in the Full Court Press. When we come back, another quick update on what's going on with Utah State and Seattle in the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic in Hawaii being played right now on ESPNU. A lifetime of awesome memories starts with the Yamaha lineup of youth ATVs. Find the perfect Yamaha ATV for the young rider in your life at Cash Yamaha. Start with the sporty Yamaha YFZ50, designed for riders six and up with easy start and parental controls. Then graduate to the Yamaha Raptor 90 with legendary Raptor Sport ATV styling and more for riders 10 and up. And for a taste of the rugged look of a utility ATV, check out the Yamaha Grizzly 90. Start a lifelong passion today at Cash Yamaha or YamahaMotorsports.com. See the Yamaha lineup today at Cash Yamaha at the Light and Hyde Park. YFZ50 is recommended for use only by riders six years and older and always with adult supervision. Raptor and Grizzly 90 are recommended for use only by riders 10 years and older and always with adult supervision. ATVs can be hazardous to operate. Yamaha recommends an approved training course. For safety and training information, see your dealer or call 1-800-887-2887. Don't wait. Plan your New Year's Eve celebration now. Get your night rolling at the Riverwoods Conference Center's New Year's Eve buffet catered by Elements Restaurant. The night kicks off at 5 p.m. for you early birds. Reservations are being accepted from 5 to 8 p.m. Enjoy a delicious buffet full of appetizers, salads, garlic, rosemary, prime rib, and brown sugar Dijon pork loin. Plus decadent dessert sure to satisfy any sweet tooth. Start your New Year's off in style with family, friends, delicious food, and live music at the Riverwoods Conference Center New Year's Eve buffet. Call ahead for reservations 750-5151. As a small business, achieving your financial goals and ambitions can be a steep and rocky mountain to climb. This is Brett Green, president of Cash Valley Bank. To conquer this mountain and achieve your goals, it takes planning, hard work, and discipline. At Cash Valley Bank, we have the resources, expertise, and flexibility to help you scale your way to success. Give us a call. Let's work together and climb the mountains that await. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. Nothing compares to the warmth and feel that a wood stove provides. The two-time Best of Northern Utah winning team says there's never been a better time to replace your old inefficient wood stove and install a new energy-efficient EPA-certified Vermont casting wood product in your home. The U.S. government is offering federal tax credits of 26% on your wood stove install. For Vermont casting units, that includes stoves, bending, and labor. Call or email Advanced Fireplace and Stove for a free in-home estimate. Call 435-752-7272 or go to advancedfireplaceandstove.com. Saturday on Compass Media Network coverage of the NFL. It's a crucial Week 16 cross-conference showdown as the AFC West leading Kansas City Chiefs host the Seattle Seahawks. 
Hi, this is John Rothstein. Join Mike Morgan, Brian Baldinger, and me for all the action as Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs battle it out with Geno Smith and the Seahawks, who are still in the playoff hunt. It's the Chiefs and the Seahawks. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Saturday morning, beginning at 1030 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Napa Auto Parts, they sponsor the Dan Patrick Above the Noise segment coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But uh, Napa Auto Parts is a place where you can stock up on ice scrapers and snow brushes, fuel line antifreeze, starting fluid, windshield, de-icer, all things that uh, you're going to be needing this time of year. Go check it out. They've got five locations between Preston and Providence. That's Napa Auto Parts. So Utah State extending their lead up to uh, 19 uh, with and uh, the, so the offense is really starting to click here, but the defense is uh, pretty much holding holding strong for USU. Yeah, the offense. This won't be considered one of Utah State's better offensive games, but it doesn't have to be when you're playing this superb on defense. Like this is their best defensive game, best defensive game of the year by far. And it's encouraging to see they can play this well in defense. Not like Seattle's a masterclass on offense either, but they're. Close to top 100, I think, in offensive rating Seattle is. So they're better than some of the teams Utah State's played and allowed to play really well in offense. Uh, Taylor Funk looks like he's starting to come back to life with the offense. Uh, he's, hit, uh, he's hit some threes in the second half. Um, he's up to uh, eight points. And um, now the, the Utah State also getting uh, some pressure on Seattle with the guys getting into foul trouble. Yeah, they just put one of their starters in foul trouble. I forget what his uh, season stats were. He wasn't one of their top guys. Um, no, they don't have his season stats. Usually you click on him and it shows his seasons. It's uh, Alex Schumacher. And he's got four fouls already. Yeah, and they, they subbed him out. Let me check what his season stats were. Cam Tyson was the main guy to watch for. Well, Schumacher, he's their third leading scorer, 10.9 points per game. I think he has zero. Oh, no, he has four. He's one for eight. So, <laughs> yeah, he's it, been struggling. It, yeah, everyone's doing terrible. Cam Tyson's still their leading scorer, so, but uh, it doesn't really count for Curse of the Cam because he's four of 12. 10 points on 12 shots. Dude's two of eight from three. So, Yaggy's uh, doing pretty well. And they just broke into the 20 point lead margin. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, we've got you know, about 13 minutes to go here in the second half. Utah State with a 20-point lead. We'll continue to keep an eye on it and to provide updates uh, throughout the, the remainder of our show in the uh, next hour as well. And a reminder, as soon as the game goes final on our sister station, KVNU, Al Lewis, uh, John Russell, uh, some comments from Jalen Moore as well, and break down what happened in game number one for the Aggies at the Diamond Head Classic at the Stan Sheriff Center uh, in Hawaii, and uh, when they move on, it will be SMU waiting. Uh, they played earlier, and they beat Iona. Kind of a big upset in uh, the earlier game today. So Utah State uh, trying to get past Seattle first before they face um, SMU tomorrow, if they can win this one. 
Uh, so more on that and uh, with pick six next hour as well. Stick around here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Back in 2020, the Jets were one of the worst teams in the league. With the team's roster in shambles, New York looked to acquire a number one overall pick, meaning the team would end up with one of the best prospects in recent memory, Trevor Lawrence. But after a Week 15 win over the Rams, New York ended with the second overall pick, just narrowly missing out on the top pick to the Jags. Fast forward two years later, the two franchise are set to face off tonight. Both teams are undoubtedly in better shape this season, but you can't help but wonder what would have been. Zach Wilson has been a major disappointment in New York. Meanwhile, Lawrence is starting to live up to his potential. Obviously, you'd never want to hear about a team purposely losing games to improve their draft position, but when you look at the effect the Jets' late-season win had on their future two years later, the advantage of tanking to secure a more transcendent prospect are becoming more and more clear. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the the noise.